Good afternoon, good evening, I'm Dove Tuzman and you're on Equal Footing. We're going to talk about pain tonight, God and pain. We're all used to the question of why do bad things happen to good people? If God is personal and benevolent and knows us individually, then why does God allow the extraordinary pain and suffering that exists in our lives individually and collectively. Not a new question. One of the first philosophical questions. There's a lot in, we're going to be looking at this question from both a Jewish and a Christian perspective tonight. I'd like it to be more multi-faith, but we've only got an hour. In the Judeo-Christian tradition, this first comes up in Deuteronomy. Jewish tradition has a lot to say about suffering, but a discussion probably begins with the book of Deuteronomy where Moses tells the people of Israel again and again and that if they keep the commandments, all will be well, but if they disobey the commandments, they will suffer for it. The book of Job, of course, addresses the idea of chaos and evil and suffering and what seems to be unjust suffering. Of course, pain and Christianity appear to belong together. Christ's pain on the cross stands at the center of God's healing in Christian theology. His pain leads to the salvation of mankind in Christian theology. So we've got two brave and wonderful guests on tonight to tackle this question. Is pain and suffering a spiritual requisite? Not Does it exist? Of course it exists. Not, is it fair? Of course it's unfair a lot. But is it a requisite in our spiritual path to get closer to God? Is it a requirement in our relationship with Hashem? So, in no particular order, I want to introduce our wonderful guests. The first guest, I should say, I think has, as of tonight, is now the most uh, the guest who's appeared the most in this program has been the most uh, uh, present here over the last uh, year and a half or so of equal footing. And it's really a testament to his uh, multi-faith perspective and his humility and his uh, clarity of intellect that the person I'm talking about is a reverend on a Jewish network. <laughs> and the Reverend Dr. David Taylor, Reverend Dave, has been gracious with his time before and really putting himself putting himself kind of in the lion's den, no pun intended, to talk about difficult issues from a theological perspective, not to debate, but to elucidate, to give us and many of our listeners, not all of us, but many of us are Jewish, and to give us a different perspective to help us understand how the Judeo-Christian um, strain of, of philosophy and and theology has evolved. Reverend Dave is a chaplain at St. Andrew's School in Florida. He's been there for 22 years. He's a native of Vero Beach, Florida. And he grew up in a Southern Baptist and evangelical home. After graduating from the University of Mississippi, Reverend Dave earned his Master's of Divinity from the Southern Theological Seminary. And he also earned a Master's of Religious Study from the University of Cape Town, where he studied and worked with the late 
great Nobel Peace Prize winner, Archbishop Desmond Tutu. Reverend Dave became a member of the, of the Episcopal Church in the 1990s, and he also earned his doctorate from the Virginia Episcopalian Seminary. So he brings both a Baptist and an Episcopalian perspective to this theological discussion. And Reverend Dave, in, in, in working with the, the pain, the, the, the healing, also in uh, after the apartheid regime in South Africa, has also encountered great pain and suffering in his, in his chaplainship. He's worked in veterans' hospitals, retirement communities, a lot of end-of-life uh, chaplainship in prisons, etc. Uh, Reverend Dave, welcome back to Equal Footing. Thanks for joining us. Thank you so much. It's wonderful to be back here. You know, this topic tonight of... of uh, pain and, and God and whether suffering is a requisite in our path in many respects is due to a conversation that we had on the program some, some months ago, Reverend Dave, where we touched on this and we promised to come back to it. So here we are hitting it square on. And I want to also salute Darren Glick, who's on the program with us in addressing this issue head on in such a personal way. Not Reverend Dave, of course, to imply that you haven't experienced personal pain and suffering. We all have and do. But you bring a, a, a perspective as a minister and a chaplain. I also wanted to bring both through Darren's eyes and through my own as well, uh, a sharing of, of personal pain and suffering through the, the, the Jewish um, philosophical and theological prism. Darren is a, a friend. We know each other through a congregation, a wonderful congregation here in, in the city in Manhattan, Chabad Loft. Rabbi Yaakov Bankhalter is a a personal rabbi for both of us, and he's been on the program before. And and I learned in preparing for the show more about Darren. Um, I thought I knew Darren, and I learned some 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 things that I didn't know. And I want to share that with with you very humbly. Darren is an amazing man. He comes at the at this topic from a lot of different perspectives. He grew up mostly in a conservative Jewish home. Uh, his family was originally uh, Reform in the Jewish uh, faith. Uh, but they became Balshuva. They became Orthodox uh, later in life. And Darren has a Hebrew education. He graduated from NYU also with a bachelor's in politics and religion. He also has an MBA in finance. Darren has worked as an investment banker and at a hedge fund for 10 years uh, before transitioning into the real estate development business where he's been for over 10 years uh, since. And recently, Darren decided to relocate to Miami to be closer and to care for his sick father and spend time and be of support to his mother. Um, as as we'll learn, we Darren, my personal and deep condolences of your father's passing a couple of weeks ago, which I'm sure you're going to address in the program. And and Darren, in addition to his understanding of uh, real life and business and and his uh, theological studies, he's also a very talented musician. It's wonderful. Music. I encourage you to check him out. Darren Glick, G-L-I-C-K, online and check out his music. He's getting some radio play also recently. And uh, he expresses apropos to tonight that his music is an outlet for pain, for expressing pain. Darren, thanks for joining us on Equal Footing. Let's go. Uh, thank you. Uh, nice to meet you, Reverend Dave. Reverend Dave, let's start. Let's start with the uh, idea that I think a, a lot of us Jews have, and and help us disabuse of, us of the notion, if we're wrong, that in Christianity suffering is is a requisite. I mean, suffering is a gateway to the relationship with God. It's it's a must on the spiritual path. Is that right? 
I, I believe it's very easy to categorize that. I mean, Jesus um, in the Gospel of Luke very, very clearly says, um, if you want to follow after me, then take up your cross daily and follow me. And, and I can't imagine a more vivid description of pain and foreshadowing in the story of the Gospel narrative than Jesus saying, oh, you want to be my disciple? Okay, there's a cross with your name on it. So with that... There is, I think, um, a Christian, I like uh, your terminology, a, a prerequisite that this is a part of the, this is a part of the path that must be recognized. And that can be as a test, or it could be a consequence of sin, like you said in Deuteronomy, um, or it could be some transformative kind of pain that can help out others in the community. Now, I think it's, it's telling, Reverend Dave, that Tonight, in preparing for this show, we reached out to a lot of rabbis. I'm not going to name them by name. Wonderful uh, people and scholars who have been on this program before. And this particular topic was one that people shied away from. And, and Darren, I wonder if you agree, as a fellow Jew, that one of the reasons that we often in Jewish theology shy away from this very core question is the Holocaust, the the kind of answerless question, why did the Holocaust happen? Obviously, Holocaust Remembrance Week was last week. We did a show on Holocaust a couple of weeks ago, and it's very very much in the in the public zeitgeist right now with the comments uh, the other day by Whoopi Goldberg. And I think that there's this, it's almost like the... Uh, the, the 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 Holocaust silences all dialogue, like because you can't answer why did it why did it happen, and I think it it is a problem for for any religious belief, as I said at the outset, that believes in an all powerful, benevolent, personal God, to recognize that degree of suffering. It, do you think that's right? Is it just coincidence it was hard to get <laughs> a rabbi in the program, Darren, or do you think that that in a sense we um as a people, we're, we're triggered on this issue and struggle to, to talk about it so openly? I think it's a very difficult topic in general to discuss. And, you know, there's a concept uh, of a bigger picture in Judaism, as I'm, as I'm aware that it's, uh, you know, in most religions, that we just don't understand pain. It's probably most likely the reason why Jesus uh, focused on that, because it's one of the biggest questions after you accept that there's a God. And if you accept that there is a God from a Jewish perspective, and that there is a bigger picture to the entire events that will unfold in the future, then you can somehow, according to Judaism, somehow make sense, but only on a macro level. Because on an individual level, it still hurts. So my grandmother, for instance, who was a Holocaust survivor, she actually survived uh, thanks to a, uh, a, a very good Christian uh, family that took her in. Uh, but she saw a lot of her family disappeared, and no explanation will console her. So, you know, it, it, it's a difficult question. It's a difficult situation, but I think from my perspective, and you know, I'm only basing it around personal experience and some of the things that I've learned in uh, my Hebrew background and reading theology, is 
that there has to be a bigger picture because it's the only explanation for the pain. For instance, I truly believe when a good father um, reprimands their child, I'm not suggesting hits them, but that you know, used to be the case when we were younger, maybe not today. The father never actually wants to hurt the child if he smacks his ass or uh, reprimands him verbally. But the, the reason is for the bigger picture. It's to straighten them out. It's to give them a better future. So on a micro level, you can see where God is coming from, uh, per se, mm-hmm. when he does the, uh, you know, or if he's controlling that event. Uh, but again, it, it won't console any Holocaust survivor. So it's a very tough you know, thing to discuss. Darren, you, you seized on something really interesting there around how maybe the success in a certain, I'm, I'm putting words a bit in your mouth, but paraphrasing maybe the success of Christianity uh, in, in, to a certain degree was hitting this issue so solidly on the head. Uh, and, and to be fair, even, even apologists, I don't mean that in a negative sense, but even folks that are really, that, that, the, the philosophers like, uh, uh, from Maimonides to, uh, Spinoza to Martin Buber, et cetera, have tried to reconcile this concept of, uh, an all-powerful, benevolent God with the level of pain and suffering that we that we see in the world it's it's clearly a a paradox in 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 Jewish thought as in 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 Judeo Christian thought in general but in Christianity it's uh it's kind of accepted and put at the center of the discussion in fact Reverend Dave when I was researching for this show if you put in to a search engine um suffering Meaning of pain and suffering Christianity and meaning and pain and suffering uh, Judaism. It is fascinating the differences in the search. The Judaism mm. search basically ends up to be about reconciling paradox and contradiction. Whereas the, the Christian search, search in general is about salvation. And in fact, about, I would say, I'm sorry if I'm putting this, um, too blithely for your, for your taste, Reverend Dave, but almost as a, a, a good thing. In fact, I even I even found articles about all of the wonderful aspects of Christian suffering, from the fact that it's multifaceted and happens in community, equips us for ministry. It's a battleground for our soul to to uh, to 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 be victorious. That it prepares us for more glory. Whereas the Jewish discussion is about how do we reconcile what we've lived through as a people with a God that cares for us. Do you kind of have the leg up as a, as a Christian as it pertains particularly to the meaning of, of suffering? I think that there is an ingrained position of suffering within the Christian church, even as you were pointing uh, out in, 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 in some of the examples. I mean, there's no way that Christianity can can look at the, the mystery of the evil that was perpetuated uh, in the Holocaust and try to relate that to a theistic God. Again, how, how would, you know, an all-loving God allow that to happen? But with the... Um, with the ideas of how it, it works, even uh, in the Roman Catholic Church, with the manifestation of the stigmata, that individuals, because of their holiness, would start then demonstrating the wounds of Christ in a physical way. And that would seem to be a fantastic thing, even though it had to be excruciating uh, if it were to be true. That I, I do believe that there is a part of Christianity that goes even from 
not throughout the middle throughout the Middle Ages, but also into uh, American slavery, is that this world is not my home. It's a painful existence. My home is in heaven, and so therefore I can endure this pain, and it will you know aid in my sanctification, so to speak. Yeah, and I'm already getting corrected here by listeners. I love that we have uh, deeply learned. Uh, scholars of Jewish philosophy that in, that in fact there, there is a generally accepted, uh, reconciliation in, in Judaism that is kind of also, by the way, I would fa- say a Neoplatonic ideal goes, it predates to some degree, um, not to some degree, predates, uh, uh, halacha and, and, um, and the, the, the Talmud, which is this concept of that, um, that evil is 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 the absence of, of of good, so that that all all comes from God. Uh, but uh, and since all comes from God, evil must also be there. But it's just it's 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 good in its absence. It's a little bit uh, theoretical for me, but I've I've gotten already two two corrections on that. Before we go to the first break, um, Reverend Dave, I want to uh, cause you perhaps a little bit of discomfort um, with the following. Uh, quote or the following reference um, that in early Christian times the belief that 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 Jesus suffered pain in the cross was actually not accepted because the idea was that he was free from emotion and that was also something to strive for at at, at the time to come out of the Stoical school and it was only after the acceptance acceptance of Christianity as a state religion of the Roman Empire in almost 400 A.D did the pain of Christ again stand in the center of the Christian doctrine of salvation? Now, that seems to be widely accepted historically. When you come back for the break, I want you to explain that to us. So is this idea of Jesus' suffering um, a more recent? I mean, not, not that that's at 16, 1700 years ago, but it didn't seem to start that way. It seemed to start with the idea that he didn't suffer on the cross. We're going to be back with that. <laughs> Philosophical bomb. We're going to be back uh, talking to Darren Glick and Reverend Dave Taylor about pain and suffering and our relationship with God. Is it a requisite? Is it a must for us to get closer to Hashem? Equal Footing is brought to you in part by DocuVax. DocuVax is a really easy-to-use digital medical locker. It's available on your smartphone, on the app stores at DocuVax. That's D-O-C-U-V-A-X. You can download it there. And it allows you to safely store and validate all your basic medical information, like vaccination records, lab results, even x-rays and MRIs. Your medical records do not belong to your insurance company. They don't even belong to your doctor. They certainly don't belong to the government. You should have them organized in one safe HIPAA-compliant location where you can access them and get them validated 24 hours a day, 365 days a year. You can do that at DocuVax. It covers over 60 different elements of your medical profile, from COVID, flu, and tetanus vaccines to colorectal and breast cancer and other preventative screenings, as well as blood type and allergy information. It's only $6.99 per month. Go to DocuVax.com, D-O-C-U-V-A-X, or you can download the app, as I said, on the app stores. You can also call if you want to get group discounts for the DocuVax tool at 833 833- 
859-1933. That's 833-859-1933. And if you have all of your medical information organized in the DocuVax digital locker, you have doctors and nurses from DocuVax that are on call for you 365 days a year to get them validated. You can even get a reference to another practitioner or healthcare provider much more cheaply than having to go back, go through the hassle of going to your primary care provider. So your medical data on DocuVax is safe. It's available to you as an individual subscriber, and you can share it with a healthcare provider, insurance company, a school, a concert venue, wherever you need to share specific information about your medical data without sharing information you don't need to share, like your birth date or where you live, etc. The DocuVax system uses a proprietary QR code-based technology that keeps your data secure and allows you to share only the relevant information. So take control of your medical file, sign up for DocuVax, and if you mention again that you heard about DocuVax on equal footing, you can get group discounts if you want to sponsor your employees to have this as a benefit, just like you would a gym membership or whatever. And if you're a small business owner, you can get group discounts by mentioning equal footing and calling 833-859-1933. That's DocuVax, 833-859-1933. Back on Equal Footing, we're here with Reverend Dave Taylor, an Episcopalian, and also has Baptist background, Christian theologian and minister, Darren Glick, a businessman and musician, also a uh, theological student in his own right, and we're talking about the super complex, difficult subject of pain and suffering, not does it happen, not is it, not is it fair, bad things do happen to good people, but is it needed on our spiritual path? Uh Reverend Dave, I'm sorry to do that to you right before the break, but I thought... It's such a lighthearted question, yes. (laughs) (laughs) I thought Christ's uh, uh, suffering was at the core of Christianity from the beginning, but then I found out in my research it doesn't show up until 400 years later. And I think within that, that was a a big thing from the post-Constantine era of trying to um, change a little bit of the history since the Roman Empire had been systematically trying to eliminate the Christians um, via being a Roman candle, uh, burned alive at stake, uh, having them as fodder for lions in the Colosseum. So I, I think that you uh, definitely hit a key point that most people, especially in Christian churches, don't realize, is that, for example, the Gnostic idea of that Jesus was separated uh, from the pain of the cross because of his divine nature. Uh, the Stoics, as you mentioned uh, in the setup for the question, but you see several hundred years later, because Christians had endured so much suffering at the hands of the Romans, when the Roman Empire became the Holy Roman Empire, then it was sort of like, ah, this has been a good thing for you all along. It's making you more Christ-like. Flip the so, script. So, yeah, we're, you know, hey, this is a good thing. It's a good thing in the long, in the bigger picture. It's a good thing for you. Yeah, and, and Darren, there's a lot of that in Judaism, too, to be fair. I mean, the, you know, the, the Lubavitcher Rebbe says we must translate pain into action, tears into growth. There's a lot of discussion about, you know, pain allowing us to grow and seeing it as a blessing. Does that resonate yes. in your personal life as a Jew? Absolutely. I mean, there's, there's you know, the famous adage by Nietzsche, I, I know that, you know, many philosophers will agree is that what doesn't kill me makes me stronger. And, uh, Judaism believes that 
pain and struggle is the key to drive your 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 life, your your adventure, and your success in the future. Um, you know, I've experienced pain from personal level. I know uh, Dr. Dave, and we've been discussing pain on a on a on a larger level. But you know, when I've experienced the most pain, whether that be uh, physical or emotional or whatever kind of pain, they actually the Torah suggests the rabbis tell us that we should actually be thanking God at that time as well. Mm-hmm. Not just for the good times, but for the pain. They thank you because he knows better than we know. And you're getting this for a reason. And if you can gather some insight and look into your actions, um, perhaps they'll find meaning in that pain. And it's very tough to understand that when you're going through it. Did the Jews being enslaved for, what was it, 270 years, know that there was going to be a redemption and they were going to uh, receive the, 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 the Ten Commandments at Harsinai? No. Mm-hmm. They, they, I, I don't think on an individual level they can comprehend it. But there was a bigger picture, and therefore we should be thanking God for our blessings as well as what we perceive as pain and struggle. Interesting you use that turn of phrase, that turn of phrase, what we perceive, because there is a philosophical strain in Judaism that, you know, it is that pain is also, and to some extent, an illusion, that it's a blessing in disguise. Is that yeah. what you're saying? Yes. I, 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 I've seen uh, examples of this in my life. Um, I'll give you uh, an example. A friend of mine was in a terrible car accident. He was hit by a car. And uh, he was taken to the hospital. Terrible pain, uh, you know, on and off whether she would uh, survive. And with being in the hospital, they discovered a tumor. And had she not had that pain of the uh, car accident, they would never have discovered the tumor and being able to diagnose and remove it. So, you know, there's many, many examples that um, I'm sure other people listening and, and the Reverend and yourself can, can give. But I will say that I wouldn't take any of the pain that I've received in my life and replace it. Mm. Because I have, I have grown from it. Yeah. And it's, it's, if, if you can look at it from a, a larger picture and accept it, or it being good, then you can grow from it. But if you if you blame, if you cast uh, you know doubts on your belief in God because of your pain, then you, you, you'll lose the reason why you're receiving it, and you'll likely receive it again. Amen. Oh, and it's 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 important to hear that from someone who has gone through that valley of pain and suffering and we're not we're not talking here just about physical pain we're talking also about one could argue maybe the greatest form of pain like emotional pain as well um it's it's trite in comparison to the story of your friend darren and the passing of your father and suffering that you as a family are going through now but the genesis of this show being today as opposed to at a future date, because ironically, we were going to almost talk about the flip side. The, the original idea for tonight's programming was Scott and Freud. <laughs> the, the joy, unfortunately, sometimes as humans take in other people's suffering. But I 
flip that script because I'm sitting here in studio with, uh, in a splint. Um, I had a, um, a ski accident a couple of weekends ago and absolutely ruptured my triceps tendon, which was excruciatingly painful. Um, and to your point, I, you know, found out in that process, I probably had a Porsche partially torn tendon for perhaps as long as decades back from when I was a, a pitcher when I was younger. And, um, to some extent, I'm looking at it as a blessing, although it's still very painful. I had surgery a couple of days ago. Um, and actually, in honor of tonight's show, I decided to go off the painkillers today so I could really be in a state of pain tonight on the show. I kid you not. Um, and also have greater mental acuity, although the audience would probably argue to that point. But um, the it, the dynamic of the surgeon saying that, you know, it probably it was probably a good thing that it happened in, in a, at a time when I was available, when I actually did seek out immediate medical attention, I was available to get it because it's possible if it had happened later, I wouldn't have been able to repair the, um, the, the triceps. So I, I wanted to, um, that was way longer. I'm sorry uh, for that long personal example. Reverend Dave, uh, we've, we've gotten to at a midpoint here to where I, th- I thought we might get, which is, in Christianity, you have pain as a, as a means for salvation. In Judaism, we do have the idea of blessings in disguise. Okay, seems we've got some common ground here. That makes sense, Judeo-Christian tradition. But what about the idea of vicarious atonement? What, what do they call that in, in uh, Christianity? Sorry, in, in, that's often how it's referred to in Judaism. Substitutionary atonement. Okay, and, and, yeah. and primer, what's that in Christianity? Basically, it comes down to the idea that Jesus serves as the ultimate sacrifice, the Paschal Lamb, that is um, that Jesus willingly goes on the cross to serve as a sacrifice for the atonement of everyone's sin. So Jesus pays the price as the ultimate sacrifice, and then through accepting Christ, that is the idea that the pain for Jesus has a purpose because it's the salvation of humanity. And and this does, it's not surprising, this exists in Judaism as well. In fact, the root of it in Christianity, I think, has to do with like the birth pangs of the Messiah and the, implying that the goodwill will, will be the outcome of that preceding suffering. But even on the Day of Atonement, our holiest day of the year, Yom Kippur, you know, there is this idea that fasting and avoidance of physical comfort is, in a sense, a, a, a form of vicarious a, a atonement. So that, um, to me, is totally different. We're going to come to it after the break. But I would love to also hear listeners' point of view on that because, one, is the idea we suffer for our, to, to some extent for our own benefit or God needs us to suffer to discover certain things in our spiritual path. And the other is that we're suffering, in a sense, vicariously to help someone else, perhaps, or to atone for others' sins. So participate in the conversation. Talk talk to us. Talk to us, Mushmouth, about your pain and suffering. Has it been a requisite on your spiritual path? I'd also be interested to hear from someone who says, no, it's not a must. What are you talking about? Call in 718-303-9090 to participate live. That's 718-303-9090. Or text in your comment and question and tell us all why we're completely off our gourd. 917-428-4062 to text a uh, comment or question. That's 917-428-4062. We'll be right back.
Cool Footing with Dove Tuzman is sponsored by MDCS Dermatology, your experts in skincare. With two Manhattan locations and four offices in Long Island, including Plainview and Comac, the dermatologists and skincare surgeons at MDCS are proud to be affiliated with the Albert Einstein College of Medicine and New York Presbyterian Hospital. So schedule your next skin exam in one of MDCS's convenient New York area locations. To make an appointment, go to www.mdcs.live or call 212-661-DERM. That's 212-661-3376. You can even schedule a virtual video visit with MDCS's board-certified dermatologists from the comfort and safety of your own home. So go to www.mdcs.live or call 212-661-3376. And don't forget to mention Equal Footing for 15% off all cosmetic procedures. back on Equal Footing, and we're talking about pain and suffering. We're here with Darren Glick giving us a Jewish perspective, the Reverend Dave Taylor giving us a Christian theological perspective. Darren, do you agree with the idea of vicarious atonement in, in Judaism? Are we, are we somehow atoning or helping others by our suffering? I think there's a common ground uh, between what the Reverend said regarding Jesus and uh, in taking the pain, uh, I don't mean to generalize, Reverend, but uh, there is common ground. Um, you know, when when somebody is sick, for instance, in the Jewish community, there's usually a huge uh, um, email chain that goes around or text chain asking people to pray uh, for that person. Um, they're not necessarily taking the pain, but you know, I've I've called my rabbi, um, Rabbi. Uh, David Pinto, when I've gone through some serious situations, and he has taken upon himself to fast during those times. To fast and on your behalf. To fast right. on my behalf. Mm-hmm. So there, there is a very long tradition in Judaism. It may not necessarily be um, halacha or law, but there is an understanding of somebody like a rabbi or a Kabbalist, to take upon themselves the the fasting or other, you know, ideas to do additional prayers for that individual. But there's also, in the Jewish understanding of uh, reincarnation, that, and believe me, there's a long uh, history of reincarnation in, in Judaism. It's just never uh, really spoken about. But that the pain that you may be receiving may be, in fact, from something your soul had done in a previous life. Mm-hmm. And that... Bravo to you to, to, to talking about that. They, often the mystical side doesn't get the airtime, and it helps, for me at least, helps explain things. You know, there, there was a wonderful uh, lecture I went to many years ago where some uh, person from... Uh, he, he, had a, he, he was a rabbinic... Uh, ordained uh, rabbi, but he didn't practice uh, uh, his, you know, rabbiship. He wasn't a practicing rabbi, but he gave a fascinating lecture on uh, scars of individuals um, that they were born with, and they were able to actually show the photos of a previous uh, person in their family that had died with that same injury. So, for instance, this person was born with a huge scar right on the side of his face, and 
he gave he showed many many examples. Although I have to tell you, sorry for the interruption, Darren. I have to tell you, and I imagine their listeners thinking the same thing. This creates a huge problem when it comes to what we're doing on this earth and social justice and so forth. My my first major crisis as as a Jew was when I was in my teens, and I literally went off the Jewish path for the following I don't know fifteen plus years because of the idea of reincarnation, the idea that that you know. Okay, you can have a child, an innocent child born into this world, but maybe there were sins in a past lifetime, and so they're going to suffer. They're going to go into the gas chambers in this lifetime. And I was like, well, if that's the case, what the F? I mean, what's the point of of anything, right? If it's all like some sort of preordained karmic cycle, um, you know, just the, the whole idea of fairness kind of, you know, falls apart. But yeah, there's there's definitely problems with it. Um, you know, again, on a personal level, but. Again, you have to look at the bigger picture. And from the Jewish perspective, okay, the soul, your soul, my soul, and the reverend soul has to accomplish uh, certain things in its life. Mm. And if it doesn't, mm. it has to come back. There's a maximum number, uh, according to Judaism, I believe of seven times. On your seventh, you're in big trouble if you don't get it done. But there's there's a great uh, you know example of a certain rabbi that passed away. I remember reading the story many years ago. And he died. There was a birth in the next town. This is in, you know, Eastern Europe, back before the war. And the baby uh, was circumcised and died the next day. And they correlated the two because that rabbi, the only commandment he never fulfilled was circumcision on the eighth day because he was jaundiced. They believed that that rabbi had come back to fulfill in that baby's uh, body. I, we, we, we should do another show on, on uh, Kabbalistic views and reincarnations. It's fascinating. Uh, pardon the interruption. I want to I want to get to a couple of listeners' comments. It's really interesting ones. This one is for both of you. So I'm, I'm going to uh, condense a little bit, but this listener uh, says uh, that the rabbis have a problem um, because there's this idea of, I hope I'm pronouncing this correctly in the Hebrew, Yisurin Shel HaAhava, the sufferings of love. And this idea, this cockamamie idea, I'm just quoting here, that God loves some people so much that God gives them suffering as a vehicle for self-improvement. Let's go <laughs> wrap it around. Reverend Dave, is that, I know it's a Hebrew term, it's, 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 it, and I actually believe that actually comes from the Talmud, not, not from Torah, if I'm, if I'm not mistaken, but is that part of Christian theology as well? I, I, God, I God loves you so much that, 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 that he gives you great suffering. Yes, that you uh, you have the chance to not only suffer. There's a great line from C.S. Lewis, who most people know because of the Chronicles of Narnia, the line, the witch in the wardrobe, but he wrote many, many deep and what I would say in some cases boring theological books. <laughs> but one of the uh, great lines he has is, pain uh, insists to being attended to. God whispers in our pleasures, speaks in our conscience, but shouts in our pain. It is God's megaphone to rouse a deaf world. So, yes, there is that tradition that, you know, you you have to be an example within that, which is, um, it's very, very difficult to process. And, and I think that is the common ground that, that we share, uh, being theistic believers and an all-loving God. 
which kind of goes back to a St. Teresa of Avila who said, well, if this is the way you treat your friends, referring to God, it's, you know, not remarkable. You don't have many of them. <laughs> so, uh, Darren, before we go to the next listener's comment, this idea of, of Yisrin Shalava, the sufferings of love, seems to be consistent with your comment earlier in the program about the father admonish, admonishing the child. Do you, be, do you believe that? Do you believe that, that God gives people suffering because God loves them so much? I do. I do. Um, again, it's, it's hard to deal with it when you're going through it. Um, but I always, you know, my favorite character, uh, individual in the Bible, is a person named Nachshon ben Aminadav. I don't know if you're familiar with him, but mm. he, was, he was the guy, and I always use him as an example when I have friends that I help. At the parting of the sea? The parting of the sea. Okay, so when when you're going through the suffering and people feel they're at their with them, I always use him as an example. He's the one when the sea didn't split. You know, they say Moses picked up his hands and the sea split. That's not how it happened. He jumped in by himself and walked, and it didn't split. And he continued walking, and the commentaries say up until he took his last breath of fresh air, and that's when it split. Mm. So the suffering, the suffering uh, is an example, uh, somewhat correlated to that. Are you are you at your last breath? Is the is the suffering that bad that you can't handle it? Because God will only give that to you uh, from what you can yeah, handle. That's intense. And, and it, I know from our discussions through the program that as as hard as this is for some people to probably hear, that you and I do share the view that our darkest and most difficult moments in life, our suffering has had to some extent, not to some extent, have ultimately been blessings. But it's so hard to see that at the moment when you're going through it. Yeah, I mean, there's the famous quote from the, from I think, Tehillim that Bob Dylan likes to use in his, one of his songs, which is, the darkest part of the night is just before the dawn. So once you get through that darkness, there's the brightness, there's, there's the godliness and there's the blessing, but you have to go through it. Right. And I, again, I wouldn't, I wouldn't take it away for anything. For anything. All the suffering, all the pain. Caller on line five. What do you, what do you think is, is pain and suffering a requisite on the spiritual path? Caller on line five, you're on the air. Oh, maybe we've lost you. All right, let's take, let's take caller on line four. Ah, uh, yes, I thought you were there. Yes, Dove, how are you? Good night. Good evening. Hi, Stan. How are you? I can't wait for what you're going to say. <laughs> First of all, forget that. You went skiing. You almost killed yourself. <laughs> I know. Stupid. It was It was my fault. That wasn't that wasn't God's fault. I was well, overly Well, stop going sled riding, and you may be all right. <laughs> I was going uh, down, all right, all right. Uh, down the black uh, you, 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 You're a little nervous of what I'm going to say. Well, that's too bad. With all respect, I love you. Uh, these gentlemen don't get it and never will. They delude themselves. And they're in the business of delusion, sadly. Uh, what do we learn from suffering? And do we make us stronger? Speak to six million Jews and ask them if it makes them stronger. Speak to the, COVID, uh, the uh, uh, what was it, in that, in that war in 1990 when hundreds of thousands of uh, people were killing each other. I forgot the war with Bill Clinton. Uh, in the Balkans. Balkans. I mean, did they learn anything from it? Did they suffer? No, not a thing. Uh, let's talk about Christians and the cross. What did they learn from it? Nothing. 
not think Christ what do you, never helped. What do you mean by that? Actually, before then we go to Christians, before we go to Christians, I want to acknowledge your point around, I mean, I said this at the outset, I don't know if you were listening at that point, that it was ridiculously difficult to get a rabbi in the program, and kudos to you, Darren, for standing in the line of fire, to get in the program talking about this subject because it is so hard for Jews to talk about the, the quote-unquote need group, for suffering. No, no, no. Any, Any group, I agree, but particularly, for, or pronouncedly, let's say, um, for ministers of faith in the Jewish faith because the Holocaust is so recent and there is no possible answer. No one who's in that lineage, Darren, your grandparents, my grandparents also were survivors. You just cannot say to anyone who's in the lineage of survivorship. You're missing the point, Dove. Dove, you're missing the point. Not just you. Every situation in the history of mankind has had millions of people killed, suffering. But, and but, but to be fair, Stan, you've got you've got Reverend Dave on the on on the on the show saying, um, not I wouldn't say glorifying suffering, but saying suffering. Yes, I mean I don't want to put words in your mouth, Reverend Dave. What do you say to Stan with respect to to, to this last point? Hey, hey, Stan, good to hear from you again. Um, <laughs> okay. First time we've been called delusional, my friend, so it's okay. Um, I, I think that there's a nature, and, and I go back, and, and I'm not saying that this is a good answer, but I'm just saying it's my answer. And, and that is the fact when I had the privilege of working in um, Archbishop Tutu's office as an intern in uh, apartheid South Africa in the late 1980s, early 1990s. And one of the things that the Archbishop writes in his book, Hope and Suffering, is that you know, there's not there's not an explanation for the heinous acts of humanity, but Archbishop Tutu's point was that God places us in the world to be agents of transfiguration, and we can take the evil and then transfigure it into light. We can take the evil and transform it into um, you know, something that is somewhat moderately better, and quoting Dr. King, then, you know, the, the arc moves towards justice. We're not there yet. So I, I, w- I totally respect your point. Archbishop Tutu, in his context, in working against the evil of apartheid in that era, which um, caused countless atrocities and deaths within Southern Africa, um, was that it, God is big enough to take the the pain and to blossom it into something great. Um, it's horrible to be in the position where you're waiting for that blossoming to happen, and I totally respect and understand that. So, Stan, Darren, before the Darren. program, kind of summarize in, in, the 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 topic tonight from a Jewish perspective by using this the the phrase Gamzalatova. Darren, do you want to explain? I'm sure. I'm sure Stan knows that means. Explain to our audience what is Gamzalatova. How does it, how does it relate to Stan's complaint? Hi, Stan. Um, Gamzalatova. This is also for the best. Uh, that's the death. You know, that's the translation. And you know, it, first of all, I'd like to address what did we learn from this? Well, I don't know what everybody learned from the Holocaust or from any community or groups of people that were murdered. But I've learned from it. And on an individual basis, I've done things because of what happened. I've, uh, for instance, when anti-Semitism started to re- reel its ugly head in May during the war with Israel and, uh, and the Hamas, 
I began a free, uh, raise money for free Krav Maga lessons for Jews and non-Jews in New York, but specifically for identifiably Jewish people. But we also have Asians because they've been targeted as well. And anybody's welcome. You can, uh, you can reach out to me on uh, Instagram, Darren Glick, if you're interested. Uh, we're still providing free lessons, but they will be charging soon. I've done other things as well. Uh, you have, you know, Gamzela Tova, I can't specifically talk to a Holocaust survivor, especially family. Uh, my grandmother's no longer alive, but she couldn't accept that answer because she experienced it. Yeah, my grandfather couldn't, at, couldn't accept it either. And I and I and I, I I support that. I mean, I can't I can't discuss that or or argue with her, uh, even have a discussion with her because it's too personal for her, and it's not appropriate for me to have that discussion with any Holocaust survivor. And I'd like to just share the following: There's uh, an understanding that on a on a much larger level that every time these things happen for every community. Uh, but especially for the Jewish people, we wouldn't be here today if this this type of persecution didn't happen in Egypt, it didn't happen in Spain, and has it as uh, continues to happen today. The uh, state the of Israel probably society, wouldn't exist. Israel for sure wouldn't exist if it wasn't for the Holocaust. And I will tell you that the only time, and if you've ever known Israelis, they love to argue. I've only seen unity. And true unity in Israel is when there's a war. And that's the only time they all uh, gather together and they're focused mm. as one. And that is what God wants. Mm. That's unfortunately, a bit of a sad unfortunately, <laughs> we're gonna you, you should, Darren, we're going to need to take our, our, last, our last break here. And uh, just uh, going into the break, I'll, I'll read a, uh, a listener's point. This is this is Miriam, who's calling BS on as well, and from a different perspective, perhaps than stands. Uh, but she writes, "Our goal is to connect to Hashem, to God, and be elevated through love and acceptance, not by way of suffering and pain." We'll be right back. Equal Footing is brought to you in part by Manhattan Medical. This is a difficult message sometimes to deliver, but it's very important for folks to hear. Uh, erectile dysfunction is incredibly emotionally painful. Um, it can affect uh, couples, uh, relationships at a very deep and emotional level, but there are solutions out there. The first step is recognizing the issue, talking about it, and getting support. Manhattan Medical utilizes a new effective therapy for erectile dysfunction called Gaines Wave. It can help you achieve excellent results. It does not involve expensive blue pills, often that, that have side effects and many people can't take because of uh, other conditions. And the Gaines Wave therapy for erectile dysfunction from Manhattan Medical is non-invasive, it's not surgery, and it's painless. 
With Manhattan Medical, there are no side effects, and for the vast majority of patients, wonderful results. Call Manhattan Medical to find out about the Gaines Wave therapy for erectile dysfunction. You don't have to be in the New York area. Uh, Manhattan Medical is available via telehealth consult over phone or Zoom anywhere from the United States. Call 888-EDQR9. That's 888-EDQR9 or in numbers 888-332-8739. Manhattan Medical's Gaines Wave Therapy for Erectile Dysfunction. You can get a free consultation if you call and mention that you heard about it on equal footing. That's a $250 value. Call for your free consultation. Manhattan Medical, 888-332-8739. I've been caught. Back on equal footing, we've got a little bit of time left to talk about one of the core questions of theism. Pain and suffering, uh, not the why does it exist, too big a question for an hour show, but is it a must on our spiritual path? And uh, we've gotten, it seems to be kind of a, I don't know if it's down the middle, but there are different views. One, here, both in Judea, Christian, both the Jewish and the Christian theological perspective, that pain is a, just a blessing in disguise, and another perspective uh, that it in fact is part of the chaotic um, part of evil that exists in the world. And yes, we can make the best of it, but it serves no intrinsic purpose. We just deal with it as we can. Reverend Dave, you know from being on the program, and we'll get, let Darren off the hook to go to go second, but. Often uh, you've been you've been gracious to kind of challenge yourself, and one of the reasons we we talk about these topics with a religious audience is to try to get us to challenge our own beliefs and therefore expand our mind and uh, learn from others. I know from this show and others that you believe in the power, the positive, transformative power of suffering, both Jesus' Jesus's suffering on a substitute basis and our, and our own as believers. If you took the the opposite view being a good person wanting to do good in this in this world but you can can you live a uh, an organized and meaningful life if you believe that pain and suffering are not a requisite that they don't bring us closer to god that they serve no purpose can you still make sense of the world that way i i i think that there is going to be problems with either with either viewpoint and and just in terms of how I've evolved to my viewpoint are you know a part of my path but but I think that when it comes down to it it goes back to the question that you asked from uh, Rabbi Kushner's you know famous book you know why do bad things happen to good people David cries out in the song lyrics of the Psalms uh, Job the line of, you know, man is born for trouble, just like the sparks fly upward. That just like is um as Darren you mentioned in the in the idea of the reincarnation aspects of how it, it just provides a good answer, then there you know, the the idea of what is the reason of and behind our human existence. And I would like to go back to the um the text that you read from uh, the previous um, from the previous segment is that it is through this pain that it unites us in a commonality with love and support and compassion for each other. And I think that there's going to be questions either way, but I 
stake my views on the side of if I experience pain, I can help others through that pain because of the love that we all share as believers in a common God. Darren, I know that you generally agree from our pregame and, and on-show discussions here with Reverend Dave, but there is a, a, a listener uh, who, Hannah Cohen, thank you, Hannah from Brooklyn, who's who's correcting or expanding our view on Gamza Latova. And she explains that uh, Rabbi Akiva from the early, uh, early AD period um, would say, and this is Aramaic, so... Sorry if I pronounce it right. Kolman David Rachmana Latavavit. Um, that is actually the expansion on Gamza Latova, which is all that God does, He does for good. Which brings us back to our original problem, right? <laughs> if if God is benevolent and good, then why does He cause such great suffering in the world? Finish us off. We just have a minute or so left. If you took that devil's advocacy, can you live a good and organized and moral life if you do believe as a Jew? That, like our grandparents sound like, that they had that in common, Darren, that, in fact, the suffering does not exist for a good purpose. That, that's, that's, that's wrong. We, we identify the, the problem and, and, and reject that, that God would give that degree of suffering to the Jewish people. I, I believe you would have to define the term meaningful life. Um, I believe you can live a very happy and meaningful life with out believing that God gives you suffering to provide you for blessing. But I think it will, uh, for most people, not everybody, it will probably, uh, to some extent, affect your belief. Um, because there is no answer for it. You, you would have to blame somebody. Now, if you, here's the, here's the catch 22. If you blame God for your suffering, well, then you believe in Him. Right. But if you start Right. And you, if you start to forsake him, though, that becomes a problem. I would just like to end very quickly with a very quick 30-second spiel that the story of Babylon differs from the story of the destruction of the world with the flood in the Noah's uh, generation for one specific reason. And that is, God didn't punish the world and destroy it for building the tower and trying to uh, battle God. Because just like the father, if he had all his children get together and pull a prank on him that he didn't like, he would still be glad that his children got together and united. (laughs) And the same thing with the story of Babylon. God actually was very proud of the people for being completely united. (laughs) For for being united in the the attempt. And and therefore, that's where I I end up uh, with my belief. Darren, thank you. Darren Glick, Reverend Dave Taylor, thanks for tackling this issue with us in the program, Pain and Suffering, a requisite on our spiritual path. Sounds like consensus is yes. (laughs) I agree. Gamzula Tova, this also is for good. Thank you, guys. We'll catch you next week. Thank you. I focus on the pain the only thing that's real The needle tears the hole The old familiar sting Try to kill it all away 
But I remember everything What have I become My sweetest friend Everyone I 